is also on the top of your outlines. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Characteristics of the citizens of heaven. Their characteristic is that they are blessed. Boys and girls, that word blessed can mean happy. Happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is the secret of happiness? It is not the happiness that depends upon circumstances, but the biblical happiness is one that the child of God has in all circumstances of his or her life. Because we know that God works all things together for good to them that love him, who are the called according to his purpose. So the Beatitudes of Jesus Christ describe the character of the people, the people who live under God's fatherly rule made manifest in Jesus Christ. They enjoy happiness even here and now on our pilgrimage through this wilderness of this life. Although it's perfection belongs to the heavenly world, doesn't it? So where do we look for this happiness? Not in the world's ways. Many seek happiness through money. If only I can make more or get more. Many seek happiness by the acclaim or the fame that they have in others' eyes. But that lasts only a very short, short while, doesn't it? Many seek happiness by having power over others. And many are those who seek that power. But no, we will look for it in the way that is outlined for us in Jesus Christ, beginning with poverty of spirit. And we will not try to find it in our own efforts, but we're going to find this happiness as God's gift. For God is the source of all blessings, isn't he? We read in James chapter 4, do not err, my beloved brethren, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Yes. God is the source of all spiritual blessings. Jesus pronounces his benediction on his people, not on the wicked. 
And that blessing begins, does it not, with the forgiveness of our sins? Think a moment of David. After his terrible fall in sin, his conscience accusing him, Psalm 32, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. So happiness or blessedness. There are several principles that we need to notice as we go through the Sermon on the Mount. You and I cannot fulfill those standards of the Sermon of Mount by ourselves. The world has the idea, well, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. The standards are not for the unregenerate. But rather, we have that only by the Holy Spirit's work, the Spirit of Christ within us. And the principle that we find here in Matthew 5, verse 3, is that there must be an emptying of ourselves before there can be a filling by Christ. We must become poor in spirit before we can become rich in God's spiritual blessings. Isn't that what old Simeon said to Joseph and Mary in Luke 2, verse 34? This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel. There's a fall in order to be raised up again There's an emptying before one can be filled. And we need to hear that this morning as we come to the table of our Lord to be filled with Christ Jesus and all of his blessings. Emptied before being filled. St. Augustine began before his conversation, before his conversion, was very proud. He was proud in his own intellect and knowledge. And it's only after being emptied of his pride and trying to manage his own life that he found God's perfect wisdom through Scripture. Or let me use another illustration of a great man, Martin Luther. He experienced failure, didn't he? in his inability to please God by his own works and by his piety. He had to be emptied of all his own attempts to earn salvation so that God could show him the true meaning of salvation by grace through faith. There's a beautiful hymn, one one stanza which goes... I am an empty vessel, not one thought or look of love I ever to thee brought. Yet I may come and come again to thee with this, the empty sinner's only plea, thou lovest me. So in our text this morning, Christ begins to draw a picture 
of those on whom his divine benediction rests. Notice when me, Jesus blesses the poor. Jesus blesses the poor. Who are they? What is their blessedness? And thirdly, the reason of that blessedness. Blessed are the poor in spirit. There's the idea there of poverty. Destitute beggars. That's what John Calvin calls us as we come to Christ Jesus and as we come to his table. Beggars. Nothing of our own. Nothing that we can contribute. We are nothing. We are so poor that we are dependent upon someone else for our life. What is this poverty, beloved? It is not a material poverty. Oh yes, Jesus warns about being rich in material things, doesn't he? The Lord Jesus does say that it is easy for, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. There's warnings about being rich. But that does not mean that there is now some inherent blessing in being materially poor, for they can be just as wanton, desiring money as the rich man who's accumulating it. It is not an earthly thing. And that's why I said earlier, this poverty or the blessedness that we look for is not dependent upon circumstances. But instead, beloved, it is a poverty of spirit. It is the opposite of being proud and self-assertive and self-sufficient. It's the opposite of being independent. It's the opposite of having a defiant attitude. There is, beloved, a spiritual poverty of all humanity in Adam, isn't it? All those that flow from Adam's bosom have nothing, are nothing, can do nothing, and have need of all things. God created us to have a need for himself, a need for fellowship with God, to have a knowledge of God, to have a righteousness of God, and have a holiness of God. That's the way you and I were created, but Adam squandered all those good gifts, didn't he? And we become nothing in Adam. Nothing before God. And you and I, as we come to the table, we need to be able to say with the psalmist and with the Apostle Paul, all my righteousnesses are as a filthy rag. Do you recognize that you have lost all those good gifts 
And by nature, not only have you lost those good gifts that God created you with, but they have become the opposite. Instead of knowledge, there is blindness of mind and eye. Instead of righteousness, there is debauchery, wickedness. Instead of a holy life, live for God's glory. Mankind became sinful, living for himself and for sin and for Satan. Yes, beloved, our text condemns any idea of entering into heaven on anything that you or I do. All people, all people by nature are spiritually poor and not at all blessed. There needs to be a poverty of spirit where we recognize that poverty. Where we are emptied of self-confidence, emptied of self-importance, emptied of self-righteousness. You and I may not be like a Pharaoh who said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? In our text, to be poor in spirit is an attitude toward ourself. I have nothing to contribute to the Lord that the Lord has to say to you or to me, well, thank you, thank you very much. We are conscious of our poverty. Nothing in my hands I bring, but simply to the cross I cling. You see, knowing that poverty that is ours by nature, we are humble. Not relying on ourselves, not relying on our works, not relying upon our position either in the church or in the world. Poor in spirit means that we know that we have no life apart from someone outside of ourselves, namely Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes unto me, no man comes unto the Father but by me. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, we read these verses. <clears throat> Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Do you recognize your unworthiness? Do you recognize your sin after this week of examination? And are you then, as we read, those who labor and are heavy laden, who need the Lord Jesus Christ? For the Lord Jesus did not come into the world for the righteous, those who think they are righteous, like the Pharisees, 
But he came into the world for sinners, sinners who recognize their poverty and are filled with sorrow for their sin. Yes, to you and me, Jesus says, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. And ye shall find rest for your souls. What a word that is to you and I who wrestle with our sins daily. We have to do something with our sins, don't we? We have to take them to the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Take that sin and that guilt and lay it down there and then don't pick it back up again. Christ Jesus is our rest. What is necessary what is the characteristic of a child of God? And it is he is poor in spirit. That means that he is like the prodigal son. Give me, Father, thine inheritance, or mine inheritance, he even dares to say. Give me mine inheritance. And he thought he was rich. He was all set for life. And it's only until he's finally driven into poverty and he's sitting there along with the pigs in the field that he recognizes his need and his lack. And that he seeks the Father's house. When he began to be in want. And so now this question, blessed are the poor in spirit, do you recognize your emptiness, your lack, your nothingness, your want, that you come hungry and thirsty for Christ to fill your life, to give you life? Who are they? A spiritual poverty I can do nothing. I am nothing in myself. I am a creature full of sin. I've sinned against the Lord again this week and probably even this morning. I need to look away from, some, from myself for someone to fill me. So notice with me from the text then second of all. The blessedness of those who are poor in spirit. For notice, it is a blessed thing, a happy thing to see our poverty. Jesus says, I have shown you to his disciples. I have shown you that you need to be emptied of yourself in order to be filled and it is the Holy Spirit that empties our hearts of ourselves so that Christ may fill us with himself. That knowledge, beloved, is key. It is basic to all the other 
Beatitudes. It's a good thing that the Lord shows us our need, our poverty, our need and our destitution. That of ourselves, there's no hope, there's no life. I look away from myself. I am nothing in myself. I am dust before the Lord. As we read in Psalm 40, verse 17, which was our call to worship, but I am poor and needy, yet, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. Blessed to know our need, our poverty, so that we look away. What is this blessedness of the poor in spirit? Well, beloved, it is blessed to have Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. The blessedness of, is knowing that God's great salvation is full and free. Having Jesus Christ, believing on him, laying hold of Christ, eating his body and drinking his blood, we have forgiveness of all of our sins. Not only do we have forgiveness of our sins, but we are delivered from the bondage of sin. That means we're not chained in our sins, but those chains are broken and we are able now by the Spirit dwelling in us to live for Christ. Yes, yes, it's only a small beginning in those obedience, but it is a small beginning. Thank God for that. We have forgiveness of our sins. We have the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. And we have the hope of eternal life. All those things are merited for us, are freely given to us, and are received by us and applied to us by the Holy Spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. To be blessed means to be full, to be satisfied, to be rich in Christ Jesus. Are you hungry for Christ? Not just this morning. Are you hungry for Christ every morning you wake up? Are you hungry for Christ during your whole day? Are you hungry for Christ through the whole week? And as you lay yourself down in your beds at night, I am nothing in myself, emptied of self, I can be filled with Christ Jesus. Boys and girls, I want a picture put in your mind. Let's say this glass was filled full of dirty water. And I want clean water. 
Well, how is it going to take place? Well, then this cup full of dirty water has to be poured out, has to be emptied, in order that it again may be filled with clean water. That's the picture in our text. The blessedness of knowing our own filth and wretchedness that we may be emptied of it. We pour it out. We put it at the cross of Christ Jesus. And then Christ's righteousness fills us. We read in Isaiah chapter 57. For thus saith the high and the lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and the holy place with him also that is of a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrites. We come to the Lord's table today to be revived by our God. We don't have life in ourselves. We have life in Christ Jesus. God dwells in us by his spirit. Christ living in us by his word. What a blessed thing. That blessedness is not then not only knowing our sin and poverty so that we go turn away from ourselves that blessedness is that we turn to Christ Jesus, that we're filled with Christ Jesus. That blessedness is thirdly in our text. The blessedness of having the kingdom of heaven. I want you to notice that Matthew uses here in the Beatitudes the kingdom of heaven. Remember, Matthew is writing to the Jews. And the Jews had an earthly idea of the kingdom. They would call it the kingdom of God. They would say, we are the kingdom of God. Judah and Israel, the ten tribes, together. An earthly kingdom. Yes, it's from God, but that's the kingdom. No. No, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, a spirit spiritual kingdom. It's not the kind of kingdom that even the disciples of Jesus were looking forward to because shortly before his death they said, is this soon when you're going to cause the kingdom to come here on earth? They had still an idea of an earthly kingdom. But this kingdom of which we are blessed citizens stands in sharp contrast to the kingdoms of this world. I've used this illustration before, haven't I, boys and girls, about Nebuchadnezzar's dream of that statue. That great statue, 90 feet tall, of the four different kingdoms of that period. And although they might glitter like gold, although some of them might be strong like iron, over against it comes that stone down from heaven, from above, and it rolls down. It breaks to pieces all those earthly kingdoms, the kingdom of man. And then that stone grows and grows and grows. That is the kingdom of heaven. 
A kingdom where God rules in the hearts and the lives of his people by his word and by his spirit. Where God rules them, not like a tyrant, but God rules them in love as a father. While its origin is in heaven. And notice I want to stress that a moment. Because in many reformed colleges and churches today, the teaching is that we have to bring God's kingdom here on earth or advance that kingdom. It's a kingdom of heaven. It is God's kingdom that he has established in his son, Jesus Christ. It is of God whose representative is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And in this sermon that Jesus preaches there from that mountain as a king of that kingdom, he shows the blessedness of being citizens of that kingdom. As citizens of that kingdom, we love our king. We obey him not because, well, you better or else. But you and I obey Christ Jesus because we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he cares for us. We love him because he leads us as his people in victory over sin and Satan and death. We love him because his very spirit dwells within us. In that kingdom, his citizens are special. They are the elect of God. Chosen by God from eternity and given to Jesus Christ. They are the ones who are redeemed by Christ Jesus with his precious blood. They are the ones whose Christ's spirit dwells within them drawing us irresistibly to Christ so that we cling to him in faith. We're called out of the darkness of this world, called to Christ Jesus powerfully and efficaciously. We believe on him. And the Spirit causes us to know then that we are justified. The Spirit works in us to continue to sanctify us, to preserve us so that we may be glorified with Christ Jesus. As citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we love to hear the voice of our king, Christ Jesus. And we rejoice to obey his commandments as we're going to hear tonight in Lord's Day 34, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my joy day and night. We love to live for him and serve him. The reason for this blessedness, third point, the reason is Christ. Nothing in my hand I bring. What makes the difference between the citizens of this world who live in sin and the citizens of the kingdom of heaven it's Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus who died there between those two thieves of the cross that made all the difference between those two other crosses. 
and those two other thieves. Well, they both began to ridicule Jesus. One was changed. And he was changed because God saw him in eternity, loved him in eternity, and gave him to Jesus to be saved. So you hear his voice, Lord Jesus, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. You hear his confession of his sin as he rebukes his fellow thief. Hush, be quiet. You and I deserve this treatment. <coughs> We're sinners. This man is innocent. He's done nothing wrong. <coughs> we come like that thief looking to Jesus Christ. I'm nothing. I've done no good in my life of myself. Of myself I can only sin. Fill me, Lord Jesus. Fill me with thy life. Cause me by faith, with a mouth of faith, to partake of that broken body and that poured out blood wherein there's forgiveness of our sins. We come this morning not out of custom or superstition or merely obligation. With a mouth of faith, laying hold on Christ Jesus, eating his flesh, drinking his blood. You see, our hope and our dependence is completely upon our Christ. We claim his righteousness. Our filthy rags ripped from off us, plunged in the bloodbath of his blood, we're dressed in that dazzling white garment of Christ's righteousness. And therefore, therefore we can come to the table of the Lord and have fellowship with him. We come this morning repenting of our sins. And that's not above ourselves. That's Christ's work. Christ, by his Spirit, who shows us our sin and works in us that godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs. Now notice, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not merely someday will be the kingdom when we are taken up at death. But now already, we are citizens of that kingdom of grace. We experience that grace as citizens of that kingdom. And it will be a kingdom of glory hereafter. That is the blessedness that Christ pronounces and is experienced by you and I. Hopefully others do not look at us as Christians, as those who are running around with long faces. 
what a hard thing it is to live for Christ. But may the world that we live in see the joy of Christ Jesus dwelling in our hearts. Sinners redeemed by Christ Jesus, made righteous, filled with his spirit. We experience that joy, that blessedness. We live day by day in the consciousness of Christ's love for us, the forgiveness of all of our sins, and that we are made righteous just as if we had never, ever sinned at all in our life. Citizens of heaven, that means that we are in the world now, but not of the world. But we are citizens of heaven, and we are sons and daughters of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom, and that kingdom will come in all of its perfection. Now we still live with poverty and emptiness and sin and imperfection, imperfect faith, troubles and trials and sickness and pain. But now we come to the table and we do this in remembrance of Christ till he comes again. What a glorious hope is ours, isn't it? Eat and drink Christ. He's coming again. Then, then there'll be no more sin. There'll be no more poverty. There'll be no more temptation. No more suffering. No more death. Ours will be a riches that never entered into the mind of man. And so we say, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. And Christ in our passage is saying to you and to me, come. Come with a sinner's only plea, thou lovest me. Fill me and I will be blessed. Amen. Let's turn in the back of our Psalters for the communion form, which begins on page 91. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, Attend to the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they were delivered by the Holy Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 and following. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. 
Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body, that we may now celebrate the supper of the Lord to our comfort. It is above all things necessary, first, rightly to examine ourselves, and then secondly, to direct it to that end for which Christ has ordained and instituted the same, namely to his remembrance. And we read that portion of the form last week in our examination. So page 92, second column, first open paragraph. Let us now also consider to what end the Lord hath instituted his supper, namely that we do it in remembrance of him. Now after this manner are we to remember him by it first. That we are confidently persuaded in our hearts that our Lord Jesus Christ, according to the promises made to our forefathers in the Old Testament, was sent of the Father into the world that he assumed our flesh and blood, that he bore for us the wrath of God under which we should have perished everlastingly from the beginning of his incarnation to the end of his life upon earth, and that he hath fulfilled for us all obedience to the divine law and righteousness, especially when the weight of our sins and the wrath of God pressed out of him that bloody sweat in the garden where he was bound that we might be freed from our sins. That he afterwards suffered innumerable reproaches that we might never be confounded. That he was innocently condemned to death that we might be acquitted at the judgment seat of God. Yea, that he suffered his blessed body to be nailed on the cross that he might fix thereon the handwriting of our sins and hath also taken upon himself the curse due to us, that he might fill us with his blessings. And hath humbled himself unto the deepest reproach and pains of hell, both in body and soul and the tree of the cross, when he cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That we might be accepted of God and never be forsaken of him. And finally confirmed with his death and shedding of his blood the new and eternal testament, that covenant of grace and reconciliation, when he said, it is finished. Secondly, that we might firmly believe that we belong to this covenant of grace, the Lord Jesus Christ in his last supper took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. In like manner also after supper he took the cup, gave thanks and said, drink ye all of it. This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. That is... As often as ye eat of this bread and drink of this cup, 
you shall thereby, as by a sure remembrance and pledge, be admonished and assured of this, my hearty love and faithfulness towards you, that whereas you should otherwise have suffered eternal death, I have given my body to the death of the cross and shed my blood for you, and as certainly feed and nourish your hungry and thirsty souls with my crucified body and shed blood to everlasting life, as this bread is broken before your eyes and this cup is given to you and you eat and drink the same with your mouth in remembrance of me. From this institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, we see that he directs our faith and our trust to his perfect sacrifice once offered on the cross as to the only ground and foundation of our salvation, wherein he has become to our hungry and thirsty souls the true meat and drink of life eternal. For by his death, he hath taken away the cause of our eternal death and misery, namely, sin, and obtained for us the quickening spirit that we by the same who dwelleth in Christ as in the head and in us as members might have true communion with him and be made partakers of all his blessings, of life eternal, righteousness, and glory. Besides, that we by this same spirit may also be united as members of one body in true brotherly love, as the holy apostle saith, for we, being many, are one bread and one body, for we're all partakers of that one bread. For as out of many grains one meal is ground and one bread baked, and out of many berries being pressed together, one wine floweth and mixeth itself together, so shall we all, by a true faith, are engrafted into Christ, be all together one body, through brotherly love for Christ's sake, our beloved Savior, who has so exceedingly loved us, and not only show this in word, but also in very deed towards one another. Here to assist us, the Almighty God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, through his Holy Spirit. Amen. That we may obtain all this, let us humble ourselves before God and with true faith implore his grace in prayer. O most merciful God and Father, we beseech thee that thou wilt be pleased in this supper in which we celebrate the glorious remembrance of the bitter death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, work in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that we may daily, more and more with true confidence, give ourselves up unto thy Son, Jesus Christ. And our afflicted and contrite hearts, through the power of the Holy Spirit, may be fed and comforted with his true body and blood, yea, with him, true God and man, that only heavenly bread, that we may no longer live in our sins, but Christ in us and we in Christ, and 
thus truly be made partakers of the new and everlasting covenant of grace. O Lord, that we may not doubt, but thou wilt forever be our gracious Father, never more imputing our sins unto us, but providing us with all things necessary as well for the body as the soul, as thy beloved children and heirs. Grant us also thy grace that we may take up our cross cheerfully, deny ourselves, confess our Savior, and in all tribulations with uplifted heads expect our Lord Jesus Christ from heaven where he will make our mortal bodies like unto his most glorious body and take us unto him in eternity. Strengthen us also by this Holy Supper in the Catholic undoubted Christian faith, whereof we make confession with our mouths and hearts, saying, I believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried, he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As we prepare the table of the Lord, the elders come forward, let's sing Psalter number 203, and we're going to sing the first and the last stanza. That we may now be fed, let us lift up our eyes away from the earthly things to Christ Jesus who is seated in heaven. He is our advocate at the right hand of the Father, whither all the articles of our faith lead us, not doubting, 
But we shall as certainly be fed and refreshed in our souls through the working of the Holy Spirit with Christ's body and blood as we receive this holy bread and wine in remembrance of him. The bread that we break 
is a communion of the body of Christ Jesus. Take, eat, remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was broken for a complete remission of all our sins. The cup of blessing that we bless is a communion of the blood of Jesus Christ.
all of you take drink. Remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out unto a complete remission of all our sins. Beloved in the Lord, since the Lord has now fed our souls at this table, let us therefore jointly praise his holy name with thanksgiving, and everyone say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Who hath not spared his own son, but delivered him up for us all, and given us all things with him. Therefore God commendeth therewith his love towards us, in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified in his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Therefore shall my mouth and heart show forth the praise of the Lord from this time forth forevermore. Amen. We're going to pray, pray and we're going to end with the Lord's Prayer. Please join me with that. O Almighty and merciful God and Father, we render thee most humble and hearty thanks that thou hast of thine infinite mercy given us thine only begotten Son for a mediator and a sacrifice for our sins and to be our meat and drink unto life eternal. And that thou givest us lively faith whereby we are made partakers of such great benefits. Thou hast also been pleased that thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, should institute and ordain his holy supper for the confirmation of the same. Grant, we beseech thee, O faithful God and Father, that through the operation of thy Holy Spirit, the commemoration of the death of our Lord Jesus Christ may tend to the daily increase of our faith and saving fellowship with him, through Jesus Christ, thy Son, in whose name we conclude our prayers, saying, 
our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is on heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us take our soldiers now and turn to number 134. And we'll sing all three stanzas and the deacons will take your second offering for the poor. that most holy place we on thy loving kindness dwell Please rise for the parting blessing. From Ephesians chapter 6, verse 23 and following. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Amen. 